How's it going? Ready? On your mark. <laughs> well, we're very sorry that we're getting a late start tonight. We almost ended up in uh, Scotland, I guess. We're going the wrong way. On the train for a little bit. And figured that out and turned around and we're late. Vinny just got in from the States uh, today, just this afternoon. I've been in uh, Holland and, and Belgium for the last week, so I'm pretty acclimated. Uh, jet lag has passed. Really happy to be here. Really excited to be starting this journey with you for the weekend, the long weekend, a few days together. Happy to be at Gaia House. I always feel such a sense of privilege and appreciation and uh, I guess a sense of honor to get to teach retreats and have so much gratitude for the practice, for the Buddhist practice, for the meditation practice and all of the insights that meditation and especially retreat practice has facilitated in my life. It's just such a joy to get to support people in the process. How many people are on their first silent residential retreat? How many people are in their first uh, two years or so of, of commitment to meditation practice? <clears throat> and uh, like about five, two to five years? And uh, between five and ten years of practice? And over ten years of practice? You could tell they lift their hands all humbly. (laughs) (laughs) Just curious, just to see. It's always uh, a diversity of experience and... And of course, on some level, uh, there is some accumulative things that happen as part of our practice, but really our practice is just present here now. So whether you've been at it for the last 40 years or, uh, or are just starting out, the instructions are the same for the most part. We're calling this retreat Kind Awareness. Uh, and it's, uh, I believe that's what, is that the name of this? <laughs> Am I in England? <laughs> it is Kind Awareness, isn't it? Yeah? Awakening the heart. Awakening the heart. <laughs>
we like to really encourage throughout this practice, although the instructions we will be giving uh, will be somewhat traditional vipassana instructions, we want to really encourage a sense of uh, kindness and compassion and mercy to be out uh, in the forefront, in the uh, really out in front of your intention. To be kind and loving and uh, open-hearted. On some level as the priority over having deep insight into emptiness or impermanence or Coming on retreat to me feels like it's our modern Western version of ordaining, of going into the monastery. Temporarily saying, okay, this week or a few days I'm going to live by precepts, in silence, focusing on my awareness, on my heart, mindfulness. And I'm going to uh, go forth into homelessness. I'm going to leave the responsibilities of my occupation and my relationship and my parenting and I'm going to do my best to enter fully into this practice and turn my full attention on oneself, on ourselves. So welcome to the monastery. You are now uh, a nun for the next four days, or a monk. Sometimes I've thought of it, uh, because I've for a long time been thinking of how revolutionary the Buddha's teachings are, and this act of rebellion that going against greed and hatred and delusion and developing generosity and kindness and wisdom and compassion. How radical it is and how it uh, in so many ways feels uh, like this training for a revolution, this inside-out revolution. And so sometimes I think of retreats as like a monastery and sometimes I think of it as like boot camp. Buddhist boot camp. And, and uh, that instead of so, some kind of military, uh, kind of fascist training, <laughs> it's just this internal revolutionary practice of sitting and walking, <clears throat> and sitting and walking, and sitting and walking. And it trains our heart, and it trains our mind, and we become more able to respond wisely, to rebel against the causes of suffering. So if that uh, model speaks to you, welcome to boot camp. <laughs> it's one way to think of uh, this intentional, intensive few days of practice. Training for the nonviolent spiritual revolution that has to be, as Mahatma Gandhi said, uh, be 
the change that we want to see in the world, that we create it first here, now, in our hearts, in our minds. Did, uh, as part of the orientation, did you talk about the precepts? Did you do the orientation? I didn't do it. No. Were the five precepts uh, offered already? Well, then I don't have to say too much more about that. Other than my own relationship to the precepts in general in my life, but especially on retreat around celibacy and silence and um, the, the practice of really accepting what's offered as far as the food and the uh, accommodations. That in the monastery or the boot camp or retreat at Gaia House here, that it's a, a large part of the practice uh, is not only what we do, it's not only the sitting and the walking and the mindful eating and the mindful uh, chores that you'll have, the working meditations. There's all of, uh, in the Dharma and on retreat, what we do, the actions that we take, the training that we pursue, but then half of the training is also what we abstain from doing, what we don't do. And what a practice renunciation is. What an important key practice it is and how uh, uh, foreign it is to most of us who are used to just doing whatever we want, <laughs> whenever we want, to actually come into an environment um, where our practice is just to accept what's offered. Accept the food that is offered, accept the accommodations, the tea, <laughs> the cushions, the chairs. Even though we may have desires for it to be different, the food to be different, or the temperature in the hall to be different, or the roommate to not snore so loudly. Let your snoring roommate be part of your practice, not outside of your practice. And uh, deeply part of practice to let go of trying to change. Trying to create a different environment, just like, uh, unless it's like dangerous, just accepting what's happening. It's a hard practice. And celibacy and noble silence. Those of you on your first retreat, it's quite difficult to get used to. The first couple of times you come into this kind of environment and almost everyone has this feeling of... Uh, it's just so foreign to not look at each other, to not acknowledge people, to not make eye contact to not say thank you. And often there can be a self-consciousness that feels like we're being rude by not acknowledging others or, uh, or feel like people are mad at us, they're not acknowledging us. <clears throat> or to push some, some button, some emotional 
button and use that as practice, the concern about not being seen or not acknowledging others. Also a big part of what, uh, how we learn in this environment. What an incredible act of generosity to spend days, sometimes weeks or months, giving ourselves our full attention, turning fully, mindfully on ourselves, investigating the nature of our mind and heart and body, and doing our best to be kind and friendly, compassionate and merciful. And if you're anything like me, especially in the first few years of my practice, I would come on retreat over and over and throughout my daily life (laughs) with the intention to be kind, and I would fail miserably. And it took me a long time to be able to uh, be with myself without being unkind and critical. And so often that is just part of the healing process, of, of the awakening process, learning to be kind to ourselves. It took me many years. And even now, I think more, what the Dharma tends to do, certainly what it feels like for me, is that on some level it decreases the amount of uh, unkindness and lack of, of care and friendliness. It decreases it. But the judging mind never quite fully goes away. That comparing tendency that all human minds have, part of our survival instinct, probably. But our opportunity on retreat is to change our relationship to it. Not to get rid of it. It will decrease. It will certainly, as those of you who have been practicing for a long time know, it does get better. (laughs) Or we wouldn't keep practicing. (laughs) It really, the Dharma really works. It really gets better. And the judging mind and the uh, greed and, and aversion and lust and fear, it decreases. Quiets down. And our capacity for when it arises to meet it with wisdom and with compassion, to see it as impersonal nature of the mind, increases. Each moment on retreat, each moment in our lives, becomes another opportunity to see mindfulness. What's happening? Awareness. What's happening right now? And the second part is, and what is the appropriate response to what's happening? How can we meet this sensation of this footstep, (laughs) the sensation of this breath, of our body in this posture, how can we meet this experience in a way that doesn't cause suffering, that ends suffering? That increases ease and well-being.
in order to gain more and more uh, free will, more and more choice, or at least influence over whether or not we suffer, uh, the first task, the foundation is present time awareness, is mindfulness of what is happening now. First task. And so we'll spend the first full day tomorrow really just concentrating on arriving, connecting and sustaining attention with what's happening, with the practice of mindful breathing and mindful walking, mindful eating, mindful uh, working. In the container of silence, in the container of celibacy, in the container of honesty and accepting what is offered. Again, I'm very happy to be here and to begin this journey with all of you and uh, turn it over to my longtime friend and colleague, Vinny Ferraro, share some of his thoughts with you as we begin this retreat. Long day. The day before yesterday, I just finished a month-long retreat. So, long month. <clears throat> yes, what I want to ask is what we'll be doing the whole time, which is to let go. Let go of where you came from or what you think you're going to get out of this or how hard it's going to be or how easy it's going to be. or It's not going to be any of those things, you know, and it'll be all of those things. For me, a retreat is a time of intensive practice where I can see moment by moment how to put an end to this internal war of what is wrong with this moment. So it's like moment by moment just examining that, letting it go, tasting freedom, and then a new war starts up, you know? of this person next to me breathing, or this distraction, or this, whatever it is, you know. So moment by moment we can taste freedom together. And we've come here for so many different places, I'm sure, and for so many different reasons. You know, some people just came to chill out. Maybe other people came to figure some stuff out. Other people just to check in with their bodies, maybe just curious about the practice. The only reason we are here is to help however we can with this process. So whatever comes up for you, we're going to be meeting with you and uh, trying to field your questions and let you know how, what we came to as we wrestled with the same questions, if we have. And so this is a big experiment. You know, what is it to sit? Schedule's pretty, uh, pretty standard. I was jealous as soon as I saw it, because the wake-up is 6.15. For the month-long, it was 5.00. <laughs> 
I'm going to try to have a lot of compassion. <laughs> there was a Spanish mystic, he said, how beautiful it is to do nothing all day and then rest afterwards. Basically, <laughs> basically what we're going to be doing is exactly what we're doing now. We're going to be sitting there, breathing, letting go, be trying to uh, really give you some good food to nourish your bodies. You know, we'll do some walking practice so that we can move around a little bit and enjoy this beautiful place that we're in. You know, I don't, maybe you guys are used to three-foot walls. <laughs> wow, this is a wild place we're in. <laughs> and uh, turning toward the heart, you know. I see many times in this practice, a lot of times that can be kind of, uh, one of our teachers calls it like the after-dinner mint of metta. You know, like the after-dinner mint of the Brahma-viharas. But we're going to kind of bring it into more of a focus here of what it is to really open our hearts, to turn toward our hearts as... uh, as our practice, as our teachers, because I think we have an amazing amount of wisdom right inside us. So we'll be doing a lot of things like that, that uh, cultivate that every day. And I want you, what I want for you is to work your own edge. You know, like this month long, I'll confess right up front, I'm afraid of the dark. And I had a a crazy father, and he told me when I was a kid, I used to fall off the bed all the time, you know, hanging off the bed, you know, four or five years old, you know. And he goes, listen, Vinny, the devil, he lives under your bed, bro. You grab your arm, drag your you gotta sleep in the middle of the bed. I, I never fell off the bed again. It was effective teaching, but not skillful. So last forty years, you know, I've been ripping open shower curtains and uh you know, if I drop something at night I'm I get it in the morning, you know what I mean? I don't really need it. And so I started sleeping under my bed. At uh, this last retreat, you know, because I was like, man, come and get me. I ain't not out there. Are you? <laughs> you know? So you got to work your edge. I'm not going to tell you to sleep under your bed. What I'm saying is, is that we all know the stuff where we're stuck. Some of us are way too uh, lenient on ourselves and we never get to practice. Others, everyone, I'm going to go to every shit, I'm going to do it good, I'm going to do it right. And then, so I want you to just ease off, off of that, whatever it is for you. If you're usually really hard on yourself, see what it is to be gentle. You know, skip a sit, take a walk, those kind of things. If you're usually real lenient and you don't really get to where you want to go, maybe commit to I'm going to make it to every practice today, you know, every session. So work your own edge. I trust that you know yourself better than we can guess that we know you. A lot of this practice for me is about really uh, gentleness and, like Noah said, self-love. How do we bring this home? I've been working in prisons, in high schools, in rehabs for 24 years. Good practice. And then it's like, okay, how do I hold this heart? You know, because the Buddha, he said, you can search the universe and look for someone who's more deserving of love than you. 
And there is no such being, you know. So how do we bring this practice home? That is what I am most concerned about. So there's going to be eating meditations and walking meditations. We'll get to some of those instructions tomorrow. But the continuity is very important. You know, because as long as we compartmentalize meditation as something we do in a full lotus position on a zafu, I think we, we miss the rest of our lives. So as much as possible, when that bell rings and you feel that joy coming, that, you know, that comes when the bell rings, you know? I did it! I don't want you to leave the meditative feeling and just feel the body getting up and walking into meditation or eating or whatever we're doing next. But just try to keep that continuity. Give yourself that gift to see what it is. And it doesn't have to be some kind of heavy-handed concentration. What we're talking about here is kind awareness. So what is it to rest in kind awareness? And you can do it, the thing I love about the practices, you can do it with anything. It's like, man, I am feeling so pissed off or judgmental or hungry or I didn't sleep. It's like you can meet any of that with kind awareness. You know, even when I don't feel kind, it's like, well, can I reach to that with kind awareness? You know, the little boy in me that's pissed, you know. So I'm going to just ask you, Try to keep the continuity of the practice, even though we're going to be ringing bells and doing different forms. It's all just resting in kind awareness. So we'll be trying to remind you of that as much as possible. You know, I was putting a few things down for the opening. That's what this is. Not tonight is not the opening. It's the opening of the retreat, but that's what we're going to be doing together, is opening to this great mystery that is present time awareness. This great mystery that's our hearts. This great mystery that's the Dharma. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. And I'm glad that we get to practice together like this. Maybe enough for now. Thank you. I realize we're not really using this mic correctly. Are you struggling to hear us in the back, or is it okay? It's fine. It's fine? Uh, feel I, free to just give us a wave or you know, one of these. And yeah, I tend to talk soft, too. So really let us know, please. we could have a few minutes of meditation together, but before we do, are there any questions or concerns uh, or comments before we uh, have some meditation and then really enter into the silence for the remaining uh, three days? Even in intention. You know? Please. What exactly is Dharma? On some level, it is whatever you experience. 
It is the truth of your experience. Beyond the judgment of it, beyond the concepts about how it should be, or just what it is like to be human. Now, there's a connotation in, in the Buddhist way. Uh, often when we're talking about Dharma, we're uh, talking about uh, how to end all of the difficulty in our life that can be ended. The extra stress, the extra suffering, the extra fear. Uh, what psychology might call the neurotic tendencies. That often when, when we're using the term, you know, the Dharma, it's about uh, what's the experience of suffering, what's the cause of it, and how can we relate wisely to this experience in order to end unhappiness and experience happiness, liberation, freedom. And not the happiness that is pleasure, but the happiness that is acceptance, (laughs) that is ease, that is contentment, even when it doesn't feel pleasant. Even when it's not going the way we had hoped, but the ability to say, today, um, one of our teachers, and many of you maybe know, uh, Ajahn Sumedho, the monastic Thai forest tradition. And he has uh, this saying, and, and he's been talking about for a long time, uh, about a huge part of his practice, and this practice of just saying to yourself, right now, it's like this. Whether it's pleasant, whether it's unpleasant, whether you're on the correct train or the incorrect train, <laughs> right now, this is what's happening. These sensations in my body, these emotions, these sounds, these smells, these tastes. Right now, this is the truth, the dharma of my experience. When we got on the wrong train today and we realized it, and I said, fuck. And Vinny said, right now it's like this. <laughs> I've had them all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yeah, something like that. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to answer that question. But I think in this context, uh, most importantly, is what is the truth of your experience right now? And is there a way to relate to it more wisely, more compassionately? with less uh, aggression and more mercy. I invite you to play with the concept of mercy on this retreat. I don't think it gets used all that often in Buddhist circles. The dictionary definition of mercy is to show compassion or uh, non-harming towards someone that you have power over. And so, of course, often this gets used in a theistic uh, way to talk about God having mercy over human beings, the power over. I think in a Buddhist context, Uh, The more we pay attention, the more we see how much influence we have over ourselves. Over our experience of suffering or not suffering. How much influence we have to either continue clinging to the story, to the resentment, to the craving. Or to choose as an act of mercy, let go. Let go of that story. Let go of that craving for it to be different than it is. As an act of mercy towards yourself, you have the power 
to respond compassionately towards your experience. So, uh, all over and over, I'll encourage you to be merciful. That's what I mean. Does that make sense? That's when I say mercy and compassion. It's that understanding that we can choose to let go, that we can choose to be kind, to forgive, to return to the next breath rather than staying uh, lost in the story. An act of mercy to come back to this footstep mindfully, to this breath mindfully. It's an act of kindness and compassion to yourself to be mindful. Other questions or comments? Or Vinny had also uh, suggested that if uh, you'd like to voice some of what your intention is or your aspiration or uh, motivation for your practice this week. If you want to voice that, you're welcome to. Or if you have any questions. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. First we tell you to be silent, and then we ask you why you're not talking. Actually, if, it's, if there's nothing, that's, that's fine, it's good. Let's uh, just sit together for a few minutes. It's been a long day. For many of you, I'm sure, it's been a long day for us. So we'll just sit, uh, have about ten minutes of meditation before we end. It's very useful to find a way to sit so that our bodies are are upright but very relaxed. Sometimes the image is used of the spine like a bamboo flagpole. And the rest of the body like a silk scarf hanging around the upright spine. Almost effortlessly allowing gravity to pull you into the chair or cushion without slouching, but just letting the body hang loosely Upright, soft, relaxed. I invite you to internally set the intention to be merciful throughout this retreat, to be kind, compassionate. To be forgiving towards ourselves and others as much as we can with the humility and acceptance of where we're at
And then allowing our breath and body to be the object of awareness, the anchor. to this unfolding experience of the present time unfolding half a breath at a time breathing in pay full attention receive explore connect with each half breath Breathing out, soften your belly, let go more fully,
last couple of things before we say goodnight. Um, as I'm sure it was made clear to you in the announcements they're just outside of the meditation hall uh, in that uh, uh, foyer uh, room there there's a, a board for notes and uh, if you need anything or have any questions you can leave notes for for us there and we will uh, most of the time anyways we'll respond to them and leave you a note back uh, there is some encouragement to minimize, uh, to really only use that as a necessity. And a lot of time, uh, we think we have these pressing uh, questions or comments, but if we just sit with them for five or ten minutes, we realize, oh, I don't really need to say that. So sometimes, maybe before asking the question, uh, do a walking period and a sitting period and see if the same question is still there an hour later. Uh, or an hour and a half later. But if it is, then please leave us a note and we will uh, connect with you that way. There uh, is also, I put a schedule up there on that board with uh, two lines and we could use some help from you. We could use practice leaders for two of the meditation periods where we won't be in the hall. And... um, So we just need you to keep an eye on the time and and ring the bell. We need uh, two people for that. And probably best if uh, kind of senior students, people that have done some retreats in the past, take on that role um, of keeping an eye on the time and ringing the bell. Uh, One for the early morning and one for the late evening. And then when we start doing the interviews, um, we'll need some more help with that. Tomorrow there won't be any uh, interviews, Any, uh, we'll just have a, a full day of silence um, so that we have something to talk about in the interviews on uh, Sunday. So tomorrow you'll just be left with sitting and walking and you'll have instructions, and but no individual or group meetings tomorrow. Unless you really need something, then leave us a note and we'll connect with you. So please sign up for that. And actually, one is the early morning sit. And so that I don't have to uh, freak out about whether somebody has signed up for it or not. Uh, Is there somebody here who knows they're willing to uh, lead the early sit, the six... 6.15? That will ring the bell for the 6.45 sit. In the back. Please. Thank you. So you could either sit up here in Vinny's chair or my cushion, or you could take the um, bell back there. Either way is fine. Whatever you choose. Uh, and, to, and then if you would just write your name on the sheet out there and then there's one more for someone else who would like to do it maybe the other person that raised their hand or maybe better for them to come up here just so that they so people know that somebody's going to ring it you know what I mean okay did you Vinny if you would sit up front actually we'd, that'd be nice yeah. the practice leaders can sit up here that way you know we all been in I was just like I know this is more than 45 minutes man Somebody needs to ring that bell. I would get up and ring that bell. <laughs> Actually, it happened once. Were you there? Yeah. It happened on one of our retreats, and one of uh, we were in the room, and one of the retreatants was convinced that we were messing with him and making him sit longer than the time that was allotted, and so he came up and rang the bell for us. Very empowered young <laughs> empowerment. <laughs> so if we're here, uh, we're not asleep. Well, we might be asleep, but we will ring the bell eventually. Uh, maybe add a couple of yeah, please. Um, one thing that Noah mentioned about note leaving or about these pressing questions, you know? The main message from the mind 
is something needs to be done. <laughs> At least my mind. It's completely lying to you. <laughs> something might actually need to be done, but not right now. You're on retreat. You know what I mean? Like, I have mad ideas. I got, like, pages of stuff written from a month long of, you know, ways I'm going to take over the world and stuff. Not right now. You know, so it's just like, you know, I just keep coming back to this breath of just like, cool, that's a killer idea. Not right now. Some emotional stuff came up. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to call my ex-wife. Not right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, whatever comes up for you around what actually needs to be done right now, really just tend to this moment. You know? Just keep coming back, tending to this moment. You have the time off. The cat is going to get fed. Whatever comes up is going to be okay. Cool. Cool. See you in the morning. <laughs>